When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. We were back in Berea today as week one has officially started here on the Wednesday leading into Bengals week. So it is full game week mode. We had open locker room for the first time this season. Uh, it finally feels like those long days of training camp are over. We're going to get to see some real football on Sunday. And Mary Kay, the I mean, look, the headliner here is we're going to get to see Deshaun Watson versus Joe Burrow at Cleveland Browns Stadium. As far as openers go, you couldn't ask for much more. I mean, even if, you know, it's the former quarterback of your team facing you know, you again, like last week when they went last year, when they went to Carolina, this is kind of what you want a headline game week one, two potentially great quarterbacks like this. This is the fun stuff right here. Yeah. The battle of Ohio, Deshaun Watson now versus Joe Burrow. And it could be this for the foreseeable future. And it is pretty cool to, you know, to put these guys head to head against again and see how it's going to all go. Um, so, you know, it, it, it really is exciting. I mean, last year it was Deshaun Watson's second game back after he returned from his suspension. He played in Houston, throw that one out the window. It was an absolute debacle. And his next game was a 23-10 loss to the Bengals. So, uh, you know, it left his record against AFC North teams at four and seven. I did some digging into his stats against AFC North teams. He's four and seven with a like three, six, three win percentage against AFC North teams. And he's got a winning record against the rest of, of the NFL. If you, I mean, his career record is a winning record. So he does not do well against AFC North teams for whatever reason. And if you take the Browns out of the mix, uh, his record against the other three AFC North foes is two and six. That's not good. Um, I think it has something to do with the brand of defense that is played in the AFC North. I think it might have something to do with, uh, you know, if some of those games were on the road, they may have been some weather games. Uh, you know, he has played in the cushy confines of, uh, you know, of the Houston, of Houston Texans uh, stadium. And, you know, he's played in, you know, a really, really, you know, easy weather division. And I, I just think the AFC North is blue-collar football. It's gritty. It's chippy. It's nasty. It's tough. It's inclement weather. 
and he's going to have to get this figured out. Yeah, Ashley, and you know, look, these are the mat. The thing about that's great about this division is you've got Deshaun versus Joe Burrow. You've got Deshaun versus Lamar Jackson. Maybe by the end of the year, we'll be talking about Deshaun versus Kenny Pickett. Who knows? But that's that's what you want to see is these big marquee quarterback matchups. And for these to be division games and Deshaun going out to prove himself, that's exciting. And he's got he's certainly got the team for it. I don't think he had... I think he had more talent in Houston than maybe people give those teams credit for in some years, but he certainly never had this much talent or this type of like defense in Houston. So things are set up for him to turn that around, but he's got to show up and perform. Yeah. I mean, I think too, along those lines, like I think the biggest, maybe almost underrated thing that the Browns did this off season was kind of do a mini overhaul, I'll call it, of the pass-catching core um, to maybe help him make some of those more explosive plays that I think you, you kind of need in today's NFL with the way quarterbacks have evolved. But, I mean, again, we've been talking about this stretch of the season for basically since the schedule came out. I mean, this is a gauntlet to see all three division opponents in your first four games, basically, and then I think it's it's a good thing for them, and I think it's like a good thing for, for storylines and all that stuff, that it is the Bengals first, which is a team that the Browns have matched up really well against, even without Deshaun Watson. And I think I talked about this on another podcast recently. Like, I'm sure it, it bothers him that that first time he saw a division team, it was a loss. And yes, things are much different now, but I'm sure after the game, and we talked about this on the video, like he was very tempered today. Um, I'll be curious to see what the tone of that post-game press conference is on Sunday if they win, and especially if he plays well, uh, because I think that'll be you know something off of his back. It'll be a weight off his chest. I don't know what metaphor I want to use here, um, but it, it was a tempered down tone today. I'm curious if we're going to see that on Sunday. Yeah, Mary Kate, to kind of continue down that road, but why do you think it was? Why do you think Deshaun was so kind of low-key today? Was it just kind of wanting to stay out of the headlines a little bit, maybe not wanting to give the Bengals who I'm sure they want to come up to Cleveland and, and show the Browns like, Hey, this is still our division. Even this early in the season. Is is that maybe part of why he was so muted today? You know, I don't know if somebody got to him and said, tone it down. I mean, the last time I asked him about playing uh, in this football game and, and what he expects to see, this was after the uh, Kansas City Chiefs game in the preseason finale. Uh, I was asking him, OK, what do you got? You know, and he said, it's going to be fireworks. And, you know, maybe someone got to him and said, you know, don't let's not do that. Let's kind of uh, keep it a little bit more low key. Let's not give them anything to put up on their, you know, on their bulletin board is get, is what I'm guessing. Um, because I mean, we couldn't, we could barely get anything out of him today. Uh, and he's usually pretty expansive. He usually gives you some really, really good quotes. Uh, what he did do was repeat something that we have all heard him say several different times. And that's, he thinks he's going to be better, uh, than the, the quarterback that he was in Houston or the quarterback that he was in 2020. I mean, we've heard him say that we've got headlines up. We've talked about it on videos and things like that. Uh, but people jumped on that as though that was, you know, something new. That was, that was not new. That was uh, something that he's been saying since he showed up on the Browns doorstep. So again, not a lot of new stuff. And I think, uh, I, I think somebody wanted him to, to kind of just be kind of chill today. 
another piece of it too is like you know you you said it we've heard that before we've heard all of this stuff before right like and here we are in week one it's Bengals week it's sort of like okay that's enough enough talk like now it's time to actually take all of this and put it on the grass and see what it looks like and you know i i want exciting quarterback press conferences as a member of the media, but as a member of the Browns organization, I would maybe think differently, Ashley, and just prefer that everything kind of stay low key because the Browns have been through this before where there's been a lot of bravado, a lot of talk, a lot of, Hey, we're going to do this cover of sports illustrated with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, all of that. And then you go six and 10. So everyone's been burnt by the bravado before. So I guess it's a good thing all around. Not great for us, but uh, I suppose it's a good thing for this organization. Yeah, I think like it's just with this team, I would say the last two seasons, especially right, like I'll throw 2021 and 2022 in there. Like things have looked so good on paper in theory, like 2021, they have basically everyone back. They're coming off a playoff appearance, playoff win for the first time in forever. Um, and then it, it kind of all falls apart. There's a ton of drama. They obviously end up making the move for Deshaun Watson after the season. And then last year, regardless of what anybody says, that season's going to be defined by Deshaun's suspension and how much time he had to miss. And things, again, now you're coming in, things look different. They have a new defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator. They've overhauled the pass coaching core. They kind of went and sneakily overhauled the defensive line. There's 24 new players on the 53-man roster or whatever it is. And I'm, like, kind of sick of talking about how good things look on paper. Like, I've talked about not really wanting to do a record prediction for them this season, and that's, like, part of the reason why. It's like, does anybody really care anymore? Like, they've had two years of things looking good on paper. So I do kind of, like, in, in that respect, Dan, don't, like, mind that approach of not talking too much yet because I think it it'd be fair to like kind of be like, hey, I don't know if this is the smart thing to do if they were taking the opposite approach in press conferences or if Deshaun did come out with a ton of vibrato today. Because I think like ultimately they haven't done anything yet in terms of like their big goals. So if they're going to be more low key going into week one, I think that's fine because I think they, they really haven't accomplished anything. And you're playing the team that, I think we did a whole podcast series on this one year that a team that has basically been where you, the, the Bengals are what the Browns hoped to be the last couple of years. Um, winning divisions, going to a Super Bowl, you know, going to an AFC championship game and, and having a chance to, to win that one too. That's what the Browns wanted to be. And they didn't even come close to any of that stuff uh, after that 2020 season. So Mary Kay, let's flip a little bit here to the Bengals. Joe Burrow said today he's, He's going to go. He'll be out there. So, you know, I thought Martin Emerson was interesting. He said he's Joe's their quarterback one. If he's out there, they're not going to put him out there if he's not healthy. So if he's out there, we're going to view him as 100%. I don't know if that's actually the case, but uh, Joe seems good to go on Sunday. Yeah, he really does. And he's not going to be perfect. No one's perfect when you suffer a calf strain like that and you haven't practiced all of training camp. So it's it's not going to be probably – the Joe we're really used to seeing over the last several years. Uh, I'm sure as the game goes along, he's probably going to be feeling a little bit, feeling the calf a little bit, but you know, he sounds pretty confident that he can get out there and do what he needs to do to get the job done. 
He's going to have to move fast. He's going to have to operate quickly. He's going to have to get the ball out of his hands very quickly uh, against this Cleveland Browns defense. Miles Garrett's going to be coming after him with his hair on fire. So is Zadarius Smith. So are other guys. And I, I think that's just going to be a huge key to this football game. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how, you know, this is a really great test for this Browns secondary and Jim Schwartz's defense. But, Ashley, it's also a really good test for that Bengals O-line. And Jonah Williams on one side, Orlando Brown now on the other. Like, okay, welcome welcome to Cincinnati, new look O-line. Now you've got to face Miles Garrett, who's just absolutely dominated the Bengals. And also Zadarius Smith and Oboe and, you know, whoever else they throw at you. Right, it's kind of just like this unknown in matchups because like I think like okay, even if you don't say hypothetically move Miles Garrett to just match up with Jonah Williams for basically the entire game. Like the consolation prize for him is going up against Sidarius Smith. Like that's not a very good consolation prize if you're him and you haven't like improved and if this line hasn't really improved. Obviously that's been like maybe their weakest point as a team, especially when we would compare these two teams, like the Browns definitely have an edge there in that matchup. I mean, I think they still do. They definitely did in years past. So it's an interesting, I think, matchup. Like it's one of those things like to watch in the trenches on Sunday that um, is going to be really, I think, an underrated, maybe interesting aspect of this game. Okay, let's take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little Denzel Ward, and we'll get into some other stuff uh, from Wednesday in Berea. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are getting you ready for Browns Bengals here on Wednesday, the first kind of work day uh, for the Browns as they prepare for week one. Although really, look, they've been preparing for this for a while. Uh, let's start with Denzel Ward, Mary Kay, a positive step today. He was back on the practice field. He was limited. Uh, as Kevin Stefanski put it, he's progressing through the protocol. Uh, but this was a big step in that progress to have him back on the field. And this is probably the most optimistic to this point that anyone has, has been able to feel that Denzel might be able to go Sunday. Yeah, when we did not see him out on the practice field on Monday, I really had my doubts about whether or not he would play because you really do have to ramp up in the protocol and see how you're feeling and see how you're doing. And if you're not even out on the field able to do anything like, you know, the stretching and the individual drills and things like that, then, you know, you have a ways to go. So to see him out there today with his teammates, that was a welcome sight for, you know, for everybody to know that Denzel is getting better, even from a humanity standpoint. I know we all care about him, you know, just as a person and in terms of long-term issues and things like that. Everyone wants him to be well. So it was really good to see him out there. And I do think it means that he has a good chance of playing. Uh, now he's got uh, Thursday and Friday where he can get out there and practice. And he, then he's got Saturday where they do sort of a light walkthrough. And if he gets through all of those next steps, then by Sunday, he should be able to go out there and be part of uh, the team that tries to minimize Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, 
T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and this explosive offense. Yeah, this is sort of the pathway here where a guy gets back on Wednesday. And like you said, Mary Kay, just going through those days. If we get to Friday and he's still out on the practice field, it feels like, you know, we'll get something on Saturday saying, hey, Denzel's cleared. He's going to be able to play. Um, so it, it feels like we're headed that way. You never know for sure, Ashley. Obviously, you know, with Jack Conklin, he came back to practice and then he was back in the protocol. So, or not back in, but he was off back off the practice field. So, you know, you just never quite know how these things are going to go. But if we get through the next two days and Denzel's still on the field, it, it seems like a, a pretty positive sign here. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think, like, because I'm glad you brought up Jack, because that was the one that I thought of in recent memory, where, like, part of the protocol is how they do in practice and what, like, benchmarks they're hitting. So Jack was in practice, still in the protocol, though, just like Denzel today, still in the protocol, but out at practice. So this is, like, an important hurdle, I think, for them to clear. And, of course, like, we don't know all the details of that and where Denzel is, but I think each day you see him out there, it's better than the alternative, not seeing him out there. So I think today was a positive step. And I think, again, like knowing the last concussion, he was out for like three weeks. I was not, I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see him out there today this quickly. So, you know, obviously I, let's talk a little bit about Martin, who, who we talked to. I mentioned that before we get into some other stuff. Um, he's a really interesting guy to talk to. Ashley, we've joked about this. Like he's, you can tell like every now and again, like he really wants to say something, but he kind of bites his tongue. Like he's a pretty quiet guy, but I feel like this is the type of guy you want on the field against the Bengals. Like I want Martin Emerson, whoever, whether it's T Higgins or Jamar Chase or Ty, whoever it is, I want Martin Emerson on the field in this matchup. He's just that he's like just that type of guy. Yeah. You know what? Martin, um, I've really watched him very closely this whole entire training camp, beginning with those Greenbrier practices, and he's really come on strong. Uh, the lights have come on. He's matured in a number of ways, including in just talking to us. I mean, he is able to stand up there and feel confident uh, in in what he's saying and answering questions, and he didn't feel that way before last year. So I've seen a lot of growth in him. Uh, you guys know I, I have a special soft spot for Martin Emerson after interviewing him last year and doing a, a feature story on him. Uh, and I really came to admire and like him at that time. So I, you know, I've taken a special interest in uh, hoping that he succeeds. Uh, you always pull for a guy that you, you know, that you really like as a person. And, um, and so, yeah, I've, I've watched him come along. Nothing phases him, but nothing phased him last year either, right? I mean, he was not afraid of the big moment. He was not afraid of a fourth down play. Uh, he's not afraid to go up against a big, big receiver. And we all know that, you know, T. T Higgins fits that bill. So I think he's going to have a nice game. I mean, Joe Burrow might try uh, to throw at Martin Emerson, but I think he's going to find very quickly that he's not going to have a whole lot of success doing that. If we did a draft, a podcast draft of who's going to have a breakout year this year, it would be like a race to the number one pick. It would be either, a, it, it would be like Elijah Moore 1A, Martin Emerson 1B, like in some order, like it would be those two. If Who's going to have a breakout year? So there we go. I spoiled a possible podcast topic there, Ashley. But it, look, the Martin Emerson approval rating on this podcast is sky high. Oh my gosh. It, it rockets every single day. I mean, I think there's like, 
he for some reason and and this is not to say anything about like Denzel cornerback Denzel Ward is obviously a very good cornerback Greg Newsom is a good cornerback but there's just something about Martin like I think it's his size plus his demeanor plus the way he uses his size that like I truly still can't believe they found him in the third round. I think he just got more and more impressive as the year went on. And like Mary Kay said, he just never really shied away from the moment. And Dan, I think the the one that you and I talk about all the time is after that Bucks game where he had just been matched up against Mike Evans and, and they tar- tried to target him to like win that game. And he just was like, no, like he was not having it and he ended it. And I think back to that and he's like, yeah, I want them to keep targeting me. Like, this is fun. I don't know what you all are talking about. This is awesome because he wasn't targeted a ton in college and he kind of got to experience that now. So I think it's like, he's not overly cocky or anything, but it's just like this quiet confidence almost. And it's really cool to kind of see a player sort of come into their own and you feel like he's on the verge of something here in terms of having a breakout season. He's mine. He's mine. Okay? That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate that you guys have jumped on the bandwagon, and I, I get it. I, I get it, but I'm sorry. He's mine. <laughs> All right. MJ is, is Mary Kay's guy, I guess. We have to, MJ, she MKC. Did, it works out. She did write the feature on him that gives her, her dibs there, and, you know, she gets to pick him in the draft of who's going to break out. Yeah, see, we claim people. You know, we yeah. claim we claim guys – you know, you try to find people that you connect with here and there. And uh, and then so we claim these people and then we get very territorial about that. Right. Like nobody else can have them. So, yeah, stay this is like Martin. a beat. This is a few of us on the beat. This isn't just us. But we always joke about who's whose guy and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> Sometimes yep. a guy asks you to button his cufflinks for him before you interview him. <laughs> and it just it just happens. It just ends up being the guy. OK, yeah. Um, Real quickly before we go, uh, we've obviously was open locker room today for the first time. We got a chance to catch up with some people. Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Mo Hurst? You had a chance to catch up with him. Yeah, I mean, I think Mo Hurst has kind of been this interesting guy from, you know, the last few months, really, and just kind of seeing how he performed even in the offseason program and knowing how much they really liked him and just fully appreciating this understanding of this kind of defense that he has from his time in San Francisco Um, and the way other players have talked about him too. Like I've always known he is a great locker room guy from talking to people at Michigan, but I think you saw that early. Um, And I wanted to talk to him today just about basically what Mary Kay had been reporting, which is what we've known that when they waived him, it was a bookkeeping move. So I wanted like the player's perspective kind of on that. And and he obviously confirmed that that's what happened and knowing he was going to come back. And he's like, yeah, like even when that happens, you still kind of look at the lay of the land, but basically that there was nowhere else he really wanted to be like that. It meant a lot to him. I think it in the spring, he was maybe a little bit bummed. I'll say I'll use that word that he didn't get a different kind of contract that it was what it was. And it was a one-year deal. Like he saw more from himself, but knew he had been hampered by injuries the last two years. And I think he's like gone out there and made the most of it. Like he used it as motivation. He stayed healthy, which is something else we talked about um, on top of what this last like week, two weeks has been like for him. Um, And just once again, like kind of coming into his own in this defense. And I think really appreciating that Jim Schwartz has taken a chance on him in particular and can appreciate what he brings. Like, I think this is definitely a guy and he talked about this. They expect him to play week one. I mean, he's going to be in that rotation. I think knowing how Jim likes to rotate those guys. So 
I'm really curious to see how he does and, and if he can stay healthy because that's been his Achilles heel, no pun intended, the last two years. That's one of the things I have circled for Sunday, Mary Kay, is who, what's that defensive tackle rotation look like? I know Jordan Elliott was listed as the starter on the unofficial depth chart next to Dalvin, but I just want to see who plays most, who who rotates in when, how much does Darius play inside, how, you know, does Miles move inside a little bit? Th- those are sort of the things I'm looking forward to, to finally seeing in a real game and, and how Jim's, you know, this is where they got to show some cards and, and I'm excited to kind of see what those look like. Yeah. And I really think that, uh, that they are going to wear out this Bengals offensive line by rotating guys in there, probably as many as eight in the course of the game and, you know, keep those guys fresh and really just keep that heat dialed up and keep coming after Joe Burrow and coming after him, coming after him. And what we know about the defensive tackles is they also get that push up the middle. So you're not just getting pressure from the outside. You're getting pressure from the inside. And so that's going to be very, very difficult for, uh, you know, for Joe. I think to a certain extent, uh, you know, some of the more mobile quarterbacks can neutralize some of this type of pressure. Uh, But if you're not, you know, super, super fast, super mobile, and you have a calf injury, uh, I, I think that this is going to be a very tough defense to go against uh, because they're just going to be coming at you from everywhere. So I had a chance to talk to Juan Thornhill. I'm actually going to go a little bit of a different direction here because there was something he talked about that, that stood out to me. So he talked about the defense. He's got high expectations. He said he did say he thinks this can be one of the best defenses of all time. So there's that. But he was talking about his ACL in 2019. And how, you know, everybody says it's a nine-month injury, um, but it, he kind of feels like it takes like two years. <laughs> like he didn't feel like himself again until last year. Now it worked out and ended up being a contract year. He ended up getting paid and now he's in Cleveland. But that just got me thinking like, you know, we have we have spent a lot of time talking about um, like Sione Takitaki and, and, you know, other guys who come off ACLs. And it just got me thinking like, with some of the expectations for these guys, maybe we just need to be a little bit careful because that ACL injury especially is really hard to come back from. And you can be back on the field, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are who you are. And we've seen that, you know, like Saquon Barkley is a guy that's, I think he tore his ACL, um, his set was his second year, and he wasn't really himself for a little while. And and so I just thought that was really interesting, Mary Kitty or Juan talk about like, you know, it took him like two years to kind of be himself again. Like these things, even though these guys are back on the field, it doesn't always mean we're getting 100% of that guy. Yeah, I think that's the case with a number of those season ending injuries like that. Um, the Achilles is another one. I mean, Grant came back pretty quickly from his, uh, but then he had a lot of residual injuries after that. If you remember, I mean, he really struggled uh, with hamstring injuries and, and different things like that. So while you're trying to uh, kind of rush back from one of these big, big uh, surgeries and injuries, a lot of times you end up with a secondary issue and you have to be really, really careful about that. Uh, but I have seen that with guys really not feeling like themselves until their second year out from surgery, maybe even sometimes their third. And that's why I think we'll be all watching Grant Delpit very closely because I think he's still been working his way back, ramping his way up, shall we say, from his Achilles injury. And, you know, 
this this could be his year. I almost let it slip, but there it was. It was that ramp up. Everybody drink. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. I mean, you know, actually, those injuries are so tough, and, and I just for these guys to be on NFL football fields playing full speed games is impressive to do it in less than a year. But then also it, it takes, like I said, it just takes time for them to be themselves again. Yeah. I mean, like I am, I'm pretty surprised that both like Sione Takitaki and Anthony Walker Jr., who is not an ACL. That was the ruptured quad tendon. We've obviously talked about how hard that injury is to come back from. Too. Mary Kay has firsthand experience knowing that. Um, and I, I'm like surprised that they're both are like seem ready to go week one, knowing when those injuries happen. I mean, Taki Taki's happened in December. It's that's crazy. It's been nine months for him. I mean, that's that is fast to come back from an ACL on any level. Um, and I do think like, yeah, we when we talk about that linebacker room. You know, last year, it's like, okay, are they? who else are they going to bring in? Um, because that is a lot of season-ending injuries. And I think, like, we did see them keep more linebackers this year. Um, and especially bringing in a guy like Diabati. Diabati. I'm going to get it right one time when I don't have to think about it. Um, who can add depth? Bringing in a Matthew Adams, who he's a great special teamer, but also helps you add depth there. I think, like, those had to be on some level, like you, you have to take those kind of injuries into consideration. And, and even if Taki Taki and AWOC like come back and don't have setbacks and that's great. Like you still might be looking at a production dip. Like, and I don't think that's a testament to how hard those guys work. I think that's just the nature of coming back from an injury like that. I mean, it, Look, I'll be the first to admit, and I probably don't have to tell you, I'm not an NFL player, but I did tear my ACL in meniscus. My injury was very, like, injury-wise similar to what Taki Taki did. He had a cartilage tear and the ACL tear. That's, like, one of the hardest things I've ever physically had to go through. And I was a high school girls basketball and volleyball player. Think about what that's like for an NFL player when it's your livelihood. Um, There's a lot at stake there. So I think, you know, you talk about the compensation and the mental part of it. That's why I wanted to write that story with AWOC last year, and I'm glad I did. Um, there's a lot at play here. So it's great that they seem to be in the spot that they are, but I think you're right, Dan, to like want to temper the expectations in terms of production. Well, look at, I mean, look at Jakeem Grant. He came yeah. back from a ruptured Achilles and ruptures his patella tendon. And I just see that so often that guys with a very serious injury go on to have something else because of how you're favoring that leg or what you've had to do in the rehab process or what didn't work out right. And so hopefully these guys will be okay. But you're right, Dan, that, that's a very good point. Okay, it is about 7.45 here on Wednesday, and we've already got a bunch of stuff up at cleveland.com slash Browns already. Uh, Mary Kay has some news stories up. Uh, Ashley just posted her Mo Hurst story not that long ago. I just posted on Juan Thornhill. Uh, we've got a stand-up uh, video report from practice up. So head to cleveland.com slash Browns. Check all of that stuff out. Uh, and also click on that blue banner at the top of the page to become a Football Insider subscriber. Because some of those are behind a paywall. you got to be a subscriber to read them. And then also you can be a texter and uh, get a newsletter every day. Find us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk. And then also find us on YouTube. You can see the stand-ups there as well. Uh, go to YouTube and search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com for all of that. Uh, so we're going to continue to get you ready for the Bengals all week long. So just make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.